everybody, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I'm here with my co-host, Vic Mattis of the Washington Free Beacon. We're your morning show for any hour. we got a lot going on. Obviously, we're going to do Israel updates. Uh, we are going to do some Speaker of the House updates to the best of our ability. We're going to tell the future, Vic. We got 2020. We got some you love to hear it. Quite a bit, actually. Some good stuff. And a, a little parenting news. But before we get into that, Vic... How are you doing? Hello, Mary Catherine. Doing just fine today for Catholics of a certain age. We have been asked by the Patriarch of Jerusalem to offer today as a day of fasting and abstinence for the people gotcha. of the Middle East, the innocents of the Middle East. And so, and, and I received a separate email from the, the Knights of Columbus, our commanders, telling us the same thing, that we, we are doing it. So, no breakfast, yeah. just having a little coffee. By the way, is this the same guy who offered himself as a trade yes. for the children yes, stuck did. in Gaza? Yes. Because what a flex. Cardinal. What a move. Cardinal Pizzabla. Well done. Who, by the way, when you look at his name, it looks like Cardinal Pizza Balls. And I was like, wait a minute. Isn't Your favorite some- Cardinal. I was going to say, wait a minute. Is that something from Pizza Hut? Stuffed crust and pizza balls. No. So, yes. Pizza, you got to listen to that guy. He's I'm, a brave, brave man. I'm going to say Pizzabla, but he did, he did offer himself up. Obviously, they're not going to take him and exchange children, because why would they do that? But we are a day of fasting, which among Catholics, you can kind of play around with the definition of two small meals that do not equal the larger meal, like a dinner. So you can have like a half a breakfast, half a lunch, but as long as it doesn't equal or less than half equal the dinner. But suppose my dinner is like an insane seven course meal. Then I'm like all set. You just have to eat more. That would not be in the spirit. I so think I'm, yes. We I think we're supposed to do some asceticism yes. have, here. Yes. Is that the correct that's, word? That's the yes. word. That's the word. I don't like to say it. It makes me uncomfortable. You know, because I try to avoid that. But not today. I'll probably have a tuna fish tuna fish sandwich. All right. And then dinner. But I probably can use it as well. Not for the right reason, but because on Sunday was my mother-in-law's birthday dinner. Okay. And I had a bit there. It was not ascetic. To, it was not for me. Everybody else was just fine and normal, but I'm like, hey, let's get another drink. And then, of course, it was lovely to see you on Saturday night at a friend's party. And I do want to say uh, one quick story, which is I was having a conversation with your husband, mm-hmm. Steve, about a kid I know who's preparing to want to go into ROTC. And one of the okay. things you have to do is how many push-ups you can do in a minute. Right. And I was bragging about how many I could do, which was 40. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, for a, for a 50-year-old, I'm way ahead of the curve. Right. But somehow, another friend had walked into the conversation, Patrick, and he hears the conversation. He somehow thinks that I'm asking Patrick, who do you think can do more push-ups, me or Steve? He me thinks Steve? you're challenging Steve. Yes. And, and Patrick just goes, no offense, but um, I'm going to pick Steve. And <laughs> I go, what are you talking about? Oh, no. I said, come on now. Why would I put myself in that position? Oh, and by the way, the answer was Steve can do 60. Yeah, something like that. Probably, possibly like a minute slightly locked. more. Yeah, uh, I don't want to under I don't want to undersell oh, yeah, his numbers. One, no, you don't okay, wanna. so he'll fact check it. We'll do a brief correction if we're wrong about this. I think it might be slightly more than that. He wow. also thinks that you can go higher. He was giving you he was giving <laughs> you some strategies. Maybe maybe forty one. Okay, how, so how are you? And I'm, how was the rest of your party hopping weekend? I'm good. So yes, we did back to back parties. Because we had this lovely party that I went to with yes. with Vic and Matt Cottonetti and Eli Lake and many friends. And then we had a party after that, which was a costume party. Now, I had previewed to the Continetis that we might arrive in costume. And thus, I didn't even know what the costume was, actually. Right. Thus making our transition easier to the next party. But then 
I thought it's been like kind of a heavy week. Yes. yes and maybe we shouldn't show up at a party in costume that's not a costume party. <laughs> so I said, All right, we got time. We got time to change afterwards. So we went we went in civilian clothes yes. to the first party. And then we changed to go to the second party. And you say you didn't know from the picture what our costume was? No, no, no. Was? Prior to the picture, oh, okay. I didn't know what you were going to uh, what you were going to be dressing up as. And did you have to go back home first before the yes, party? Because the, you had to put makeup on. Yes, but the other party was very close. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, to our house. So, what were you? <laughs> did, I sent you the you picture did, and you, you didn't did, know. You did. This is your era, Vic. Okay. 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 Go ahead. We were going to a costume party whose theme was "Once Upon a Time," so it needed to be sort of storybook characters or oh. something along those lines. Uh-huh. So we were. Robin Hood and Maid Marian. Oh, from, from the... the Disney film Fox Style. Yes. So we had elaborate orange makeup, which I did have yeah. to like sort of not to not to throw a cheap shot, but I did have to determine how orange was orange enough to not be merely Donald Trump Robin Hood. Yes. It was like it's a fine line. You got to go you got to go pretty far. You know, but the the outfits. Okay, you had the whole thing. Well, we love costumes. Uh, you do. This is you a do. thing. And in fact, for this year, I hope you at this for point, Halloween. I think I'm doing like 13 costumes for different parties and different events. But I can't even do one. We love costumes. Yes. And Steve is also extremely competent at constructing costumes. Oh. So he and I together, although we do fight about the best ways, for instance, to put to affix fox ears to a Robin Hood hat, which is a thing that we did together over the weekend with a staple gun after cutting them off like a little slutty fox costume yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. headband. We put them on his hat. Because that's really the luck but of it's these a, days. But it's a team yeah. effort, you know? But there was, there was only one flaw in our costumes. Well, no, we made two mistakes. Number one, we got to the second party too late after the voting had happened oh, no. for best costume. Oh, you would have won. And people said... You would have won. Yes. But what does that get me? That doesn't give me nothing. Okay. No. So we missed the voting. But you know what? I was fulfilled by the costume alone. The second mistake we made is that we ordered. We actually didn't make a mistake. I, I blame Jeff Bezos for this. I got the little Slutty Fox costume kit. Mm-hmm. And then we used it to make our yes. full outfits. The tails <laughs> were very small. Steve objected to this. He wanted more prominence. He wants a masculine yeah, yeah. tail. Uh-huh. So we ordered <laughs> longer tails, but they did not arrive in uh-huh. time for the party. So I made sure that I got some pictures of him shooting his bow and arrow, looking tough, you know, because he was convinced that he had been made too cute by this outfit. Well, I mean, you know, in the photo with the smile, and he's got well, got he is the, smiling, the nose yeah, and everything. Big, it was. It's it was, not my fault. He has a big, nice smile. Okay, okay. He had a deadly weapon with him. Don't yes, worry. Yes, that's don't right. worry. That's anyway, right. maybe we'll put that picture up on our on our getting hammered podcast Instagram. It's uh, it's good and always impressive. <laughs> I just said you sh- it would have been great if you showed up to the other party like it's, that. It's one of those things where like uh, I enjoy making the costumes, and then I'm simultaneously thankful and confused and sometimes irritated by the fact that I have a husband who will argue with me about the mm. best way to yeah. uh, put a homemade arrow made of a chopstick and some ostrich or some some peacock leaves through his Robin Hood hat. And I'm like, why are we fighting about this? Oh, that's right. Because yeah. why are we fighting about this? You're perfectionists <laughs> when it comes to costumes. And you know what? When you see the hat, you're going to say, well, Steve did a really good job. So maybe you shouldn't argue with him. I, you know, the only thing I thought about doing for Halloween is like 
hoodie and gym shorts, but I thought it might be in bad taste. <laughs> Since I, anyway, I think it'd be okay. Okay, he's you know Ru- the ruthless podcast sells a hoodie that just says senator. That's good. You get yourself yeah, one. Smart. Okay, we need to do it for our merch. We need merch. All right, shall we get to the? Uh, Let's do it. The news. By the way, we're still waiting on those long girthy foxtails. <laughs> I'm sure they'll arrive soon. Okay. <laughs> On to the news, which is remains very heavy. So in Israel, we are now a little more than a week past this shocking and terrible and awful attack by Hamas on the civilian population of southern Israel. I believe the death toll is now up to 1,300 plus. More, yeah. Possibly 1,400. Yeah, at least. The injured is 2,000 plus, maybe yeah. 2,500 plus. It keeps going up. We keep finding more. And there are now about 200 hostages identified that are in Gaza. Many of them children. Many of the dead are also children. So just an incredibly tragic situation to begin with. Israel has been bombing in retaliation, has not yet gone in with a full ground force into Gaza. They're softening the target. Right, to eliminate Hamas. But even before anyone went into Gaza... Right. Even before there's yeah. an, an invasion of any kind, the world opinion had already changed to preemptively going after Israel for its alleged war crimes. It didn't take. Like, couldn't you stay yeah. your hand, guys? It's been a week. Haven't you gotten over it? No, they have not gotten over it. No, it didn't take long. In fact, it gets to the point where you wonder as soon as they hear some of these people, when they hear that this horrible attack happened. Is there immediate thought, oh, man, I hope they don't retaliate? Well, yes. Is that's the first that's thing they think about. much of the world's And yeah. what do they want Israel to do? Because Hamas is still in control. And you never hear these people talking about how they think they can get the hostages. No. So I do actually think this is a fair question. For the squad who has a resolution calling for the ceasefire, for protesters who say Israel should not be doing what it's doing, that it's making life hard for civilians in Gaza. Hamas has made life hard for civilians in Gaza by doing this. For all the people who say that, could you also just add a sentence that is, we call on Hamas to surrender and hand over civilian hostages? Because that would would end the humanitarian crisis. Yeah, that's, well, I mean, if they, you know, if if they wanted an end to the siege, you know, that would be a good start. Along with the Hamas commanders giving themselves up, but you know that is not going to happen. But like we could just say it. Like yeah. the international community could just at least say it. That would be a step. Yeah. yeah. But the step is always Israel. Make sure that you're staying your hand. Israel, make sure that you're right. not defending yourself. And I, I saw a tweet which is a, a common sentiment that said, "Never before has so much international goodwill been squandered." So. Far. Oh yeah, that was quick. So quickly. Well, okay. International goodwill, first of all, is mm-hmm. doled out in part by the UN mm-hmm. Human Rights Council mm-hmm. and the like. It's just like populated by authoritarians. So maybe let's not worry about that so much as a as a good. But it requires, in order to get back goodwill, which they've allegedly lost. Yeah. How did they get the goodwill in the first place? By being attacked and 1,400 people dying, yeah. right? In order to get it back, 
All they have to do is stop fighting, Vic. That's right. They just have to lay down. That would end the cycle of violence. Uh That is how it ends. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, Israel's thought... I feel that it would not end. Yeah, well, that's why Israel's thought is the cycle of violence ends when we get rid of Hamas. Yes. And and that's the problem because you have a terrorist organization that is running the Gaza Strip. They, They... won the election back in 2006, defeated Fatah, and and so they, and in fact, they killed a lot of Palestinians in the process. Yes. And and continue to with their falling yeah. short rockets in this current And they're conflict. also, they've also admitted a Hamas commander was on Russian television saying that, you know, this thing had been planned for years and that the whole thing was just trying to fool the West and fooling Israel that they actually wanted to, you know, work together, negotiate, come to terms about governing you know, Gaza, when in fact they had no interest in governing at all because they're terrorists and it's in their charter. I mean, this is not a secret. We've talked about this and I don't understand. It's in the, they, they teach the kids this. It's in the textbooks that Israel is the enemy, the Jew is the enemy, and their goal is to kill as many as possible from the river to the sea, that there will not be an Israel. And somehow now I feel like it's this wake up call for some people. And that includes Biden. And now he's going over. Yes. In fact, we have a little bit of Blinken explaining what he's going to do. The president will continue to coordinate closely with our Israeli partners to the secure the release of hostages taken by Hamas. The president will hear from Israel how it will conduct its operations in a way that minimizes civilian casualties and enables humanitarian assistance to flow to civilians in Gaza in a way that does not benefit Hamas. The United States and Israel have agreed to develop a plan that will enable humanitarian aid from donor nations and multilateral organizations to reach civilians in Gaza and them alone including the possibility of creating areas to help keep civilians out of harm's way. It is critical that aid begin flowing into Gaza as soon as possible. We share Israel's concern that Hamas may seize or destroy aid entering Gaza or otherwise preventing it from reaching the people who need it. If Hamas in any way blocks humanitarian assistance from reaching civilians, including by seizing the aid itself, we'll be the first to condemn it and we will work to prevent it from happening again. I believe that Joe Biden for the moment stands with Israel, right? I do think there's probably behind the scenes work to make sure that they're not as aggressive as Israel would like to be. And that concerns me because, again, I think that if they're not rid of Hamas, then they just set their citizens up to once again be fodder for this terrorist movement. And how can they accept that? How can they accept that? So he's going over. His going over also delays ground invasion. That's true. That's the problem because, again, as you were mentioning, as we mentioned on the show, Hamas wants, you know, Palestinian, innocent Palestinian lives to be lost because yes. they want them to embrace martyrdom because it helps with their cause. It gives them something. It boosts their recruitment. And it's a problem when they use humans as human shields. Yes. Hostages now probably as human shields. International course, law, by the way, is fairly clear yeah, about that that's not that's okay. That's not okay. And it's yet- the same thing with storing munitions right. in schools, hospitals, mosques, and then basing your attacks from these centers, that's a violation of like the Fourth Geneva Convention. And yet it is always laying at Israel's feet Yes, that, that this is happening, which a point I always want to make is that no matter what Israel's they do. defense forces, yes, Israel's defense forces yeah. will lose more people than it would otherwise, otherwise mm-hmm. lose because when it goes in, they will be careful about preserving yeah. civilian life. And as a result, they will lose many of their soldiers. Right. And no one talks about that. No. We're to ignore that right. and pretend that these sides are equal. And we, 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 and we also mentioned, you know, if they 
urge people to leave, that's a form of ethnic cleansing. Is that right? Yes. And, but if they urge them to but stay, then that's also genocide. But if genocide. they don't urge them to yeah. use, that's also. So, yeah. I, it's a real tricky so situation. I mean, the answer, again, is not to do anything and just to sit there and take it. Again, when they talk about proportional responses, proportionate response, what is the proportionate response what would be proportionate? to the largest massacre of Jews since the Holocaust? And the answer is they're not just going to push them back and wait for them to build up their weapons and do it again. It ain't a week long. I'll tell you that. No. It's just gonna, this is, this is going to be a very long campaign. And the last time the Israelis went in, the IDF went in for a major operation to retaliate against Hamas and the terrorists. The support of the U.S. was about 32 days, right? A little over a month before they said, okay, you've made your point. Enough is enough. They're going to need more time. And again, I, I don't... And I the just, fighting is going to be I just feel hard. like not, there, isn't an, uh, there isn't enough talk about how to get these hostages back and how do they think by giving them more money? Because the whole plan has been the destruction of Israel with the help of Iran. Right. And if they, I mean, they're already uncovering weapons and things like this. My other concern, Mary Catherine, is... This whole, I feel like they, they want, the other side wants both ways. On the one hand, the attacks happened on Saturday. On Sunday, there were rallies. They were not rallies because they were protesting humanitarian violations and the siege. These were rallies to celebrate the attack. And we have right. professors and people who are openly saying this was exhilarating, this was great, and I think we'll talk about that later. On the other hand, there's also an effort to downplay what happened right. and say that, you know, the concert, for example, Reuters has concerns about concert footage not being, you know, accurate so that maybe they didn't do that. But of course, they're thinking about concert footage from October 4 and not October 7. Yeah. So all of a sudden people are saying, oh, yeah, they didn't take anybody. The they truthers didn't, are out. They didn't go yeah. after civilians and they didn't kill as many children as they, you think we did in a certain way that you think we did. Maybe a couple, but maybe they were found that way. Maybe it was Israeli paratroopers. It's no different than Holocaust denial. And it's sort of like, and Iran does this too, where on the one hand, you know, they like to, you know, they, they want to, you know, the anti-Israel, anti-Semites like to, you know, praise Hitler and say that he didn't do enough. And then on the other hand, they say it didn't happen. Right. And so it's like, you know, it's, you know, we really think that he should have gone further in the thing that he didn't do. Watch, watching it in real time is is interesting. It's something, yeah. And look, fog of war, I want to get facts correct. Mm -hmm. I've tried to share things about atrocities that were sourced several places on this podcast. Those the, are those are real concerns. The, but there's a there's another level where you know the saying about college students for instance will be so open-minded that your brain will fall out right yeah this is being <laughs> so skeptical that nothing can be true no and that is an equally bad affliction yeah because some things are just true and they're right in front of your face the attack happened yes i heard somebody say recently that within a week or two weeks the atrocities themselves the initial attack yeah will be reduced to a footnote in just, oh, yeah. a, just a brief aside oh, yeah. in international reporting. And I think that may be the case, and I'd like to keep it from being the case. Here's British PM Rishi Sunak calling it what it is. Over 1,400 people murdered one by one, over 3,500 wounded, almost 200 taken hostage. The elderly, men, women, children, babes in arms, murdered, mutilated, burned alive. We should call it by its name. It was a pogrom. So let's remember yeah. that as this goes forward. Biden was speaking to Scott Pelley on 60 Minutes this week and said, yes, he thinks take out Hamas, but occupation, not so much. Here's, here's him. Would you support Israeli occupation of Gaza at this point? I think it'd be a big mistake. Look, 
What happened in Gaza, in my view, is Hamas and the extreme elements of Hamas don't represent all the Palestinian people. And uh, I think that uh, it would be a mistake to, uh, for Israel to occupy Gaza again. We did, but to going in and taking out the, uh, the extremists, the uh, Hezbollah is up north, but Hamas down south is a necessary requirement. Interestingly, through Hezbollah in there, I'm going to... Yeah, it's on their mind because I, there's a big fear that this is just, you know, I, Iran keeps on mentioning and making these hints that, you know, this is just right. one part of the beginning of the war and the end of Israel is imminent. And I keep on thinking they're like, you know, these are basically secret plans. There could be hundreds of thousands of missiles stockpiled in the north and they're about to unleash them. And that's my greatest fear. But I keep on thinking of Iran as like this Bond villain that can't resist revealing the plans before they actually happen, and they're doing it on Twitter. It's sort of slow motion. Yeah, yes. I know, and they're saying the end. And I just, you know, but they're revealing it, and then everyone just sort of nods along about like, well, I was just Ali Khamenei, but I think he means it, and it, and this this could really. Well, I'm not sure that Biden meant thing. to mention Hezbollah there because it suggests something pretty big. Yeah. But let's deal with the Hamas part. If he wants Hamas eliminated. Mm-hmm from Gaza, completely antiseptically, somehow right. surgically removed from the rest of the population, yeah. which is nearly impossible, even though Israel will try its very, very best to do that. What happens when they just leave that land again? I think we right. learned from counterinsurgency work that you gain land mm-hmm. and then you have to hold it. Yeah. Because, I don't know, let's look at, uh, say, off the top of my head, Afghanistan. Afghanistan. How, right. how did that go? Yeah. How's it going right now? When we left. Yeah. Yeah. So that is my concern. And I understand that in the international community and its sought after goodwill does not come mm-hmm. from occupying that area. No. But I don't know how you do one without the other. Right. I don't think the I don't think Israel necessarily wants to do this. No. They don't want to occupy. They gave Gaza. That's why they gave Gaza away. Yeah. And that's why also Egypt, which had Gaza from 48 to 67, you know, they don't want it. In fact, they're very reluctant to open up, you know, the Rafah Pass to to allow Palestinians south. I mean, it's none of those countries, by the way. I mean, they're the middle, the Arab, they're Arab brethren, if you will, yeah. are not saying we will take you in, you know. No, we always just, in <laughs> international, just international news reports, it's just sort of ignored yeah. that Gaza has a border with another country. Right. Not the one that it just right. violently attacked, right. which is somehow required to give it water, power, everything it possibly needs, yeah. evacuate its citizens, let them come to Israel to work daily, right. which may have actually precipitated some of the intel yeah. for this attack. Somehow they're on the hook for all of that. That's right. Egypt, none at all. No. So and so, you know, on the one hand, they don't want to do this. But on the other hand, they have to do it because how else you you cannot leave Hamas. They ca- they cannot. They won't leave Hamas intact in Gaza. There's not... I was it was concerned in Biden's statement if he was trying to make these fine distinctions and say extreme elements of Hamas versus the moderate elements of yeah, Hamas. I, know. I wasn't sure what, if he was hinting at that, but there can't be. That's the problem. And I don't know what they put in its place, what they want to do, but it just cannot happen. After what just happened last week, there's no way they're going to allow that uh, Hamas to just continue on. Again, I think it's, that distinction is him... It's going to uh, come at a big cost. I think that distinction is him misspeaking. And by the way, uh, Scott Pelley 
carrying some very heavy water for the president yeah. by introing that interview with Mr. Biden will be 81 next month, and he has said when he's tired, his lifelong stutter can creep back in. During the interview, he also makes reference to the fact that, oh, there's so much going on, and Biden is very tired. Yeah, and, just in case uh, you think he looks sleepy. I would just say that I don't remember in my lifetime a president for whom you needed to give that disclaimer. Yeah, that excuse. During an interview, uh, nor did I ever see anyone in the press willing to make that excuse. I do wonder, president. you know, this could be... If you want to be extremely optimistic, perhaps a wake-up call for Biden, particularly with their obsession with trying to come to the negotiating table over nuclear power for Iran, right? And they've been bending over backwards and trying to offer, uh, giving them billions of dollars and offering to lift sanctions in order to bring them back to the, you know, the table and then and then making a deal. And there has to be this realization that they're not interested in that. No. They're the ones supplying Hamas, who is responsible I don't know for this massacre ever going to admit that what, what's because the status on freezing the six bill? right well that's exactly it there was a bipartisan effort and it was senator joni ernst from iowa and jackie rosen from nevada but now there are other republican senators that actually want to be forceful and impose a more forceful resolution that would just flat out prevent that from happening right. and from freezing it would it. freeze the six billion that that's uh, right. that the that's u.s right. allowed to become unfrozen and is now in a cutter bank in one in south korean one but the and, and the qataris are had agreed to hold it there for the moment um, Which is, by the way, where the Hamas founders hang out in yeah, their luxury in palaces. condos. Yeah, so. I know. They're living large yeah. in Qatar. Nobody seems to care about that. The poor Palestinians, on the one hand, and their leaders who are living, and the billions of dollars we give them, and how much of it is going to the people versus weapons and to their own personal wealth. That is one thing. But I do wonder if this is a moment, because I think about with Jimmy Carter, for example, and after the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, it was a wake-up call. He realized these people actually don't want to, you know, <laughs> it it seems rather obvious. But I'm not going to hold my I don't, I'm not going to hold my breath. But you know, I mean, it's a moment for Biden, and it'll be interesting to see when he goes to Israel and if they can expect. Because remember, he had an extremely rocky start with the Netanyahu government, right? And, and it'll be interesting to see when they explain to him the situation and what they have to do if he's on board, particularly with the U.S. carrier group. And using that as a deterrent, deterrence, perhaps, against the North and Hezbollah and discouraging them from launching that if something should happen. I mean, he said this in his very forceful speech that did not mention Iran. In his very forceful speech, he said, don't, right? He's saying to anyone else tempted that this is an opportunity like in 67. Don't be tempted. Or to, everyone's going to gang up on Israel. This is not the time. And that that's why the carrier group is there. I hope so. Let me finish this update with something a little bit happier. This is a clip from Israel. Despite war, love is in the air at an army base in South, South Israel. Lieutenant Yosef of Battalion 51 in Golani, a unit that faced many casualties recently, is now marrying his fiance Samdar. Their previous wedding date was canceled because of the war, yet today they stand together as newlyweds. No one will stop our love, they said. Here's just a little clip of that. <laughs> A, g 
good a good time had in the midst of in the midst of that, all of this. Uh, that that is nice that to is see. that is good. Did you have any thoughts on what's happening in our universities and yes. academia? Okay, so I wanted to I wanted to give us that palate cleanser before yeah, we go to sorry. some really nasty yeah. clips in the United States. The anti-Semitism and pro-Hamas sentiment, and I I am not inaccurately using these words, right? If no, it, no. If it weren't that, if it were, if it were solidarity with Palestinians who are unconnected to Hamas mm-hmm. and critique of Israeli war tactics. Yeah. That would be one thing. I'm sure many of the people on the ground in these events have some of those thoughts, mm-hmm. but a lot of the thoughts are from the river to the sea. Yes, that's right. It's not just we want Israel to give up sections of their country. It's all of it. It's going back to 48. So and that speakers, therefore they don't have, you know, colonizers or settlers, as they say, settlers yes. are not civilians. Yes. Speakers at these events are sometimes celebrating this stuff. Here's a Cornell professor talking about the hours immediately after the attack uh, and how it made him feel to see this happen. There are many thousands of goodwill, many Palestinians conscious, who have more violence as you and you are, who have more the targeting of civilians as to you as you are, who were able to breathe. They were able to breathe for the first time in years. It was This is a uni- this is a Cornell University professor. So he has students, and they sit there and they listen to this. Is that what's happening? And he, and he has tenure and all that like, all that good stuff because tenure doesn't actually allow you to say that like affirmative action is bad. Oh yeah, but no. tenure does. They're trying to take it away no, from th- one you, from one professor. You think about that. you know the Princeton professor who you know who got canceled. I mean, yeah, it's really no, quite but unbelievable. It, do- it does allow you to do this. That's what that's what tenure's for. He later says that he was exhilarated by this turn of events forcing the president of cornell university to say that this is not this goes contrary to our our values you you the question is how did they get here and and the answer is the administrators they hired them they hired these people who when they thought well that's great that they feel this way well if they feel strongly about a certain subject that probably also means they hate israel yeah, no. You know, so if, if they're for one, they're probably not for the other. As I've said, I do think it's. And now we have to see if whether or not they find that to be acceptable. Right. It's it's worth taking people at their word. I, I also would note that, and I, I'm with Ben Sass and his great s- statement on this, where he he had complete moral clarity and also said, our students have the right to gather sure. and to protest, and we are going to protect our Jewish students, let them know yeah. that we see what's going on, and protect the right to gather and to protest. On the other hand, I think it was at New York University where two students were filmed taking down posters of the missing 
and the hostages. Yeah. That is stifling of speech. While universities right. are rightly allowing people to gather and speak and say atrocious things. But these guys, left-leaning folks on campus, are so used to bullying, yeah. to shutting up everyone who disagrees with them, mm -hmm. that they see posters of the missing yeah. civilians mm -hmm. and decide that to help Palestine, I'm sure that's the mm -hmm. that's why they're doing it, they must take those off the wall. Right. They must are, shut are they, down they, the speech of other taking, students. Are they taking out the posters because it's there's lies and propaganda or do they deny that it actually happened or they mm -hmm. just are, or they actually secretly know that this will gain sympathy for the other side and this is a war. And by the way, they're the fascists. We're not the fascists and oh, no. we cannot tolerate them. We must eliminate them. This is one thing. Is, I am really done being called a fascist by college professors. Yeah. Because when you stand up for this. It is quite something. Also, you know, when folks like, you know, Guy Benson or Ben Shapiro or Christina Hoff Summers would come to campus and there'd be this huge uproar and there's and, and students getting triggered. Issue, huh? Yes, getting triggered and having these panic attacks and and, and, and and feeling unsafe because Christina Hoff Summers is on your campus yeah. and you need a safe space. What about now with these rallies? You yeah. know? It, and this is this is the thing, is that what's laid bare and I think is helpful is that this ideology is about oppressed versus mm -hmm. oppressor. And they get to choose yeah. the oppressed. And the oppressed is whomever they decide. Right. And That's the oppressor right. is whomever they decide. It's a moral Even reckoning. if the oppressor is a tiny nine-month-old baby who is held hostage in Gaza. Now, yeah. if your philosophy does not allow for the idea of non-combatants, as you said, all settlers are not civilians. Are not, civilians. Are not civilians then you can justify some truly horrible things. And that's what Which you're has seeing. been done. It's also helping helping the, the enemy rationalize the horrible murders they're about to commit, which is no different than calling, you know, Eastern Europeans and Russians right. untermensch, you know? So you, it's okay to kill them because yeah. they're not like, a, they're not human, you know? And this is, it, it, it's, it's, it's no different. And I also wanted to mention that awful situation in Stanford where a teacher... I don't think she was a full, he or she was a, a full professor. The, the professor has now been outed, but forced the Jewish students, and this is immediately after the attacks, to stand up and stand, take their things, stand in the corner, and then say, this is how you, this is how it feels. feels. So this horrible thing happened to your people. Now we're going to make you feel even worse. Yeah. And you know what? It, it's easy to say that's, that's like an aberration. But it's not. It is in line. It is a very logical pro progression from something that DEI yeah. DEI leaders proudly mm -hmm. advertise, mm -hmm. which is they do these privilege walks mm -hmm. in which they put everyone on an equal footing in a class of freshmen in college. And they say, take one step forward if you have two parents who are yeah. still together. Yeah. Take one step forward if you live in a home versus an apartment. Take one step forward if you're yeah. a white person. Mm -hmm. It has the effect of literally separating people from yeah. each other mm -hmm. instead of creating unity it is designed to make people feel horrible about how they were born yeah things they cannot control mm -hmm. it is not merely an exercise of awareness and empathy no there's an end point to this and it results in an exercise like that stanford professors yeah. which is very and very by the bad way, guys. A number of these, a number of these student groups that had signed on, for example, to you know at Harvard and other universities, and University of Michigan was faculty, in fact, you know, blaming Israel for the attacks. And some of them now are backing off, and some of them who you know, it turns out, 
you know, they were affiliated with the group before this even happened and they're now, you know, working. Okay, fine. I get it. But for a lot of these other students who seem to be the heads of the organizations that signed up for this and now they're claiming that they didn't know what they said, they didn't read the letter before they signed it. Don't you go to Harvard and Stanford? Yeah. You, no, I assume you're pretty smart. There's there's only so many excuses you can make for these allegedly elite yeah. university yeah. students. Although I do think the the rank and file of these organizations should have the right sure. to to distance themselves. That, yeah. I, lest you think this is only the colleges. A little closer to home, we have a Fairfax County school oh. board member objecting to a moment of silence for the victims of the Hamas attack in Israel. It might seem simple, aggressors attacking families in a state seeking vengeance. But we often sympathize with and humanize the side that we relate to and the side that looks more like us or that our biases guide us towards. But doing so obscures the root of the violence. Centuries of human history teach us that escalations happen when problems are ignored, realities are denied, and voices are censored. When one narrative dominates from the world stage all the way to our classrooms. We do our students no favors by calling for peace and being unwilling to back what peace requires. As the old civil rights adage goes, no justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. That's, that's her is, saying. This is at the public school at Fairfax County mm-hmm. level. That's correct. That's correct. Objecting to a moment of silence with that explanation that this isn't really as simple as terrorists killing children. No, no. no. It's not really simple. It's, it's really about the Jews. <laughs> it's... Amazing. I hope there's going to be pushback for this. but Well, there is, at least on the college level, there is. I'm not sure I have any hope from Northern Virginia public schools. But yeah. at the college level, money talks. Yeah. And some of the money is walking. That is true. Bruce Ackman, I think it's Ackman. There's been uh, two or three, other, at least Particularly at, Harvard, at the University of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania and Harvard, where they have a couple mm-hmm. people have dug in. There's one. There's John one, Huntsman. There's one is real. John Huntsman's money is saying bye-bye mm-hmm. for now to Penn. Yeah. And then there is a, a group that funds Israeli public officials to go study at Harvard. Yes. Which is saying, mm, I don't know if. <laughs> and this is this is that thing where, again, people get into like, oh, you're cancer culture. I am not a person who loves a boycott who right. loves these organized step ups. But like, again, this is the most out among the most outrageous speech. Yeah. So maybe there should be consequences for it. And also when you are giving your good money to something, whether it's a brand or a university, if they tell you very loudly, they don't want you, yeah. that they do not respect you, that they don't care if people march and say that right. your people should die, then you have, it's good sense to say, maybe I won't spend that money there. Yeah, exactly. They have that right. <laughs> and again, it is worth remembering the outpouring of, of, of and celebrating of the attacks. When you think about the, the posters and the flyers and the T-shirts that people had put the images of the paragliders on. What is that? So what was that a suggestion of? Right. You know, it was because the paragliders who entered in, particularly where the concert took place and killed all those innocent people. By the way, since you mentioned that, can I do yeah. a quick... A quick sort of benefit of the doubt yeah. for Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys did an Instagram post that asked her followers, hey, what are your secret fears that you might be able to overcome? I'm oh. thinking about paragliding. Oh, no. Yes. So a lot of people assume that this is specifically a reference uh-huh. to the paragliders that came in and hurt people at this like concert. Like she was being really awful. That she was being snarky. incredibly awful. Yeah. But there is evidence in the form of Alicia Keys having performed in Israel several times when people did not want her okay. to, yeah. that she is not that person. So she just mindlessly And I had. think she was expressing a normie fear about hang gliding and did not make 
the connection. And she has since said, no, that was not what I meant at all. And, and expressed her solidarity with civilians in Israel. So I just want to put okay, that in there. Good. I didn't know about it, but it's good to know. So the, Whoops. Yes. And then one last terrible story before we move on to at least more politics. more pedestrian politics. Yeah. This is sort of the other side of the, the hate coin. Juliet, Illinois. Loved ones and strangers united in grief Monday at the funeral of a six-year-old Chicago area boy yeah. who was killed because he was a Muslim, officials say. This, by all appearances, seems to be a very clear-cut hate crime crime based yeah. on his ethnicity and his and his religion. He was stabbed 26 times Saturday oh. by his family's landlord in Illinois. His 32-year-old mother also suffered more than a dozen stab, stab wounds, the sheriff's office said. It is so awful. Yeah. And like I said, seems fairly clear-cut and that they have evidence of this. Right. The governor was at this funeral, as were, I should say, and I. this is a such a moving tribute there were six rabbis mm-hmm. from the area who also showed up, leading rabbis to say, "Yeah, we are with this family mm-hmm. in its suffering. This should not happen right. in our name. But that is the other side okay. of, of this. And we right. hope to see none of that none of moving forward. So, and bless that family. I just, I can't even imagine, no. just as I cannot imagine for all of these kids and their families. Shall we do a little 2020? Uh, yeah. Well, I think, I think first... The first 2020 story is that Biden requires a, a disclaimer on his 60 Minutes interview. Here's Biden saying, by the way, giving us his rationale for why he's running again. Can we play that clip? Yes, because I'm sure. Look, when I ran, I said the world's at an inflection point. The world's changing, but we have an opportunity to make it. So imagine if we were able to succeed in getting the Middle East put in place where we have normalization of relations. I think we can do that. Imagine what happens if we, in fact, unite all of Europe and Putin is finally put down where he cannot cause the kind of trouble he's been causing. We have enormous opportunities, enormous opportunities to make it a better world. So I think it's interesting that he sits down with 60 Minutes and the question needs to be asked, are you sure you want to run, old man? Yeah. That's to me, that is telling. It's kind of on everybody's minds, including on the left. His rationale is also ironic in that his vision is for order and peace in the Middle East and also Europe. It's like, well, those those things have really, really gone by the wayside since you became president. So are you going to do opposite presidency? Is that the plan? Yeah, that's right. We're getting closer and closer to 2024. And it it really looks clear that any sort of notion that he's thinking about stepping down before then is not going to I think, happen. I think this is his. No. And, then, and, and as you know, people are Stutter lot, and all, he will be running. There's no other person at the moment who wants to even challenge him. I mean, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is now going as an independent. He, he went indie on us. Yeah, that's, that's it. I was uh, surprised, by the way, yeah. his, his kickoff, which was last weekend. That his, Somehow I missed it. Sorry. His wife, Cheryl Hines, the actress oh, yeah, of, of, of Curb Your Enthusiasm, enthusiasm yeah. fame, she was up there all in. Stumping for him, which I was a little surprised because I thought like she's she's Hollywood, she's yeah. got all these Hollywood friends, and I was imagining she's very much of the her left. her very her very curb your enthusiasm in her monologue must be like I freaking married a Kennedy and this is <laughs> where I'm happens. at <laughs> this is where I'm at this was supposed to be much more easy street so she must be with him on the on the all the vac stuff then I mean maybe she's just with her husband 
yeah. in a way that Melania is no longer oh. for this for this time Politically around. Politically speaking, how and how about how about DeSantis? Because okay. I was thinking about you know what I was thinking about the Berlin airlift. So, this is a I gotta say, obviously the right thing to do, and also a hell of a way to uh, a to to, oh, no. to run the news cycle yeah. in the twenty. Uh-huh. 2020. I keep calling it 2020. It's 2024. I, know, yeah, I, I have, saw that. I have written down 2020. You know why? I know Because things. in many ways it is. That's true. That's true. Okay. The way to rule the 2024 news cycle is to do DeSantis Airlines, which gets 270 Floridians mm-hmm. home from Israel after domestic carriers have canceled flights mm-hmm. and they are unable to get out. A bunch of people on Twitter say, you don't have authority for this. You're a governor. This is nonsense. Now, the State Department is getting people out by boat to mm-hmm. Cyprus mm-hmm. and sometimes by flights to Europe. You are required to required to sign the promissory note. I do think that that's a BS stupid government thing, but it is not a Biden era thing. That's just a law on the books that probably shouldn't exist that you have to sign the note yeah. to get yourself out of these war zones. But in the case of DeSantis Airlines, which was a, pro- a project with Operation Dynamo, you don't have to do that. You just you just get to come home. Can we play a little bit of the Today Show of all shows saying, giving a feature to this? Arriving in Tampa overnight on the first flight to return to the U.S. in an operation organized by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. It's very emotional to be here, to be away from all of that. 91 of the passengers arriving last night were children. These kids are having to dodge rockets. These kids are having terrorists come after them. Not the way this world should be. The Gobioffs spent much of the last week huddled in a Jerusalem bomb shelter with their toddler. Can you describe the level of fear right now, the level of fear that you had while you were in Israel and the level of fear in your community? So uh, on a physical sense, uh, we're very thankful that we're here. We are very blessed that we had a governor. We have Hashem that got us here. I mean, God took care of everything. But uh, on, a, on, a, on an emotional level, it is very overwhelming to be in a situation of where you have a fear of your life. For many, the homecoming is joyful, but the heartache isn't over. Liat Paradise was in Tel Aviv when the war began. So much. It's just, it's so much heartbreak to leave everything so so suddenly and, and everything you love. And I haven't gotten to say goodbye to a single person. I'm worried. You know, all of my friends are out there serving. My cousin is on the front lines in Gaza, you know. <laughs> And Hoda, as we heard from those folks, a lot of Americans still stranded there, having a hard time making their way out of the country. Now, this operation was all part of an executive order allowing the state of Florida to carry this out. It was part of a partnership with Project Dynamo, which is a veteran-led search and rescue nonprofit. More flights are expected today and throughout the week, bringing Americans home to the state. Hoda. All right, Dasha Burns for us there in Tampa. So nice to see. So, you know, if you're looking for somebody who can handle a major crisis, whether it be a hurricane or war, well, there's one for you. I mean, just saying that, no, if, I th- you know, I mean, of course, and he's still way, way behind. The, you know, he's way behind the other candidate, the leading candidate who was throwing shade at Netanyahu. Well, and who, one might note, has some planes, oh, yes. I believe Trump he, does. He, no, that I, would have I been think, a pro move. Look, this is the best contrast that DeSantis can make. It contrasts him from Biden, who was like sort of behind the ball and slow getting people out. It it contrasts him with Trump or with conventional wisdom purveyors who say, oh, you can't do that. 
He makes stuff happen. Look, I mean, he gets stuff done. If, if you're thinking about like, well, do I like how he is personally, or this or that? At the, at the end of the day, what you want is is a good manager, and somebody who can. Is that you know, what people want? No, I like you to. Know what? I, I like yeah. to imagine that they might. And by the way, after uh, that's why President Romney had such a good yes. eight years. <laughs> Thank you. Fair point. Touche. Touche, Mary no, Catherine. I, I no, but, mourn but, with you. I yeah. mourn with you. No, but you know, but uh, and in fact, Trump had to. Uh, they issued the Trump campaign issued a new statement because, as you know, he had he had gone after Netanyahu, and because right. it's all about these personal slights. Yeah. And then the, the follow up statement was hashtag I stand with Israel. Hey, you know, so, you know, just to cover it. By the way, on the on the the other 2024 candidates yes. front. Tim Scott, the super PAC supporting Tim Scott's presidential bid, is canceling most of its remaining TV spending, reversing course after reserving $40 million in ads for him ahead of the Iowa caucuses. The retreat from TV is the latest sign of how dire the primary has become for a candidate who once anticipated outside help from big donors, but who is now polling in low single digits and hasn't yet qualified yeah. for the third debate. This might portend a winnowing of the field a bit. At, at some point, I'm not... I'm not saying you know that it, it that i want this to happen i mean whatever happens happens but i think it has to happen yes in the sense that there's only so many sources of money and once these donors max out then that's it and uh, tim scott who is very good at fundraising he seems to be he's not getting any traction and once you have that happen then of course there'll be a larger scramble of where does that money go money unless go. you happen to be uh, his, Doug Burgum. His big strength was yeah. that he is able to fundraise and he has all yeah. this money and he was putting it in TV yeah. ads. So this is his major strength being yeah. removed from no, the race. No. And, and, and it, it's it's a it's a vicious cycle because then by pulling out and not you know having that money to spend on the ads then your numbers go even lower, you know, because it's it, it, unless you have some amazing breakout performance and there's going to be another debate. I believe it's going to be on NBC, I think. And but it's it's make or break. But for people, unless, again, like your Doug Bergen, where if you remember in the last election cycle, Tom Steyer, right. you know, he just yes. has billions or Michael Bloomberg for yeah, a billion dollars, a billion dollars for a four month campaign and got American Samoa, which, by the way. That, that you know that was 175 people voted for him in American Samoa. I did the I did the math. That's mm-hmm. about 5.7 million dollars per Samoan. Wow. Yeah the 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 campaign the billion dollar campaign to take your big gulp from you didn't yeah. didn't play so no. well. Shocking. With the American people. Also, just so a, I think a number of these candidates are in trouble. Just an indication that Haley and DeSantis still still top the the yeah. runner up crew is the fact that they are fighting it out over policy vis a vis. Gazan refugees. Right. Sort of accusations. DeSantis was first to say we shouldn't take them. Trump several days later said we shouldn't take them. And then Haley in the middle had a comment that she said was misinterpreted by DeSantis, maybe being a little bit more soft on that. And so just an indication of who's who's who in this race. Those two are clearly top of the the heap. That's right. We have some you love to hear it. Oh, okay. Again, an unreserved... You love to hear it. Cheers, yahoos, many, many, many plaudits for Mayor Eric Adams oh, yeah. of New York City giving this speech, I believe just a couple days ago. I am not going to be long. I'm going to give you four words. This morning on my briefing, my special counsel, Lisa Zomberg, said something that I want us all to acknowledge. 
We've been through some tough, tough time, New Yorkers. We are tough people. We saw the center of our trade collapse. We saw some of the horrific actions that played out on the stage of our city and our country. But she said something that hits me to my soul. She stated to our team, we are not all right. By the way, I thought it was a nice touch that the mayor brought an orchestra with him. Yes. So somebody somebody properly scored that that speech. It was powerful. It was it was powerful. I almost felt like it was a beginning to a song. Yeah. If you remember after 9/11, they did this. Is there a 9/11 for, song? Yes, for George W. Bush's speech. And, you know, when he was talking about, you know, America will not, you know, we'll rise to the to this occasion and the whole thing and we'll be strong in the whole thing and we'll going to fight back. And it was using the background. They, it was a mix from a, a Moby song, which uh-huh. I'm sure Moby loved. Anyway, it sounds like this. That could happen. But no, powerful speech. And it goes on for a while, but it's it's, it's a very effective use yeah, of this recurring it's, theme. It's four minutes we long. Not, you should find it and watch the whole thing. Yeah, no, it's not. But moral clarity He's disturbed. He's angry. I, yeah. He is standing in solidarity and he is saying, your fight is our fight. Well done, Eric yeah. Adams. Yeah. And then I have another, this, is, this one is not a clip, but a, you love to hear it for Jonathan Chait, a man of the left, mm-hmm. a writer at New York Magazine. He notes that this movement we're seeing on campuses, the illiberal left, yeah. is something that many on the left discounted for a long time and said these kids will grow out of it. And this is something I've encountered when I've argued against it. Like, oh, they'll grow up and they'll figure this out. But what they're doing is they're growing up and taking over every lever of power and every corporate culture and every campus culture in the U.S. That's what's actually happening. And so law firms, you name it. He calls out the left, the liberal left, for ignoring this threat. And I'll just read a, a bit from him. Liberals believe political rights are universal. Basic principles like democracy, free speech, and human rights apply equally to all people without regard to the content of their political values. This, of course, very much includes Palestinians, who deserve the same rights as Jews or any other people and whose humanity is habitually ignored by Israeli conservatives and their American allies. Obviously, there's going to be some stuff I don't agree with in here. (laughs) A liberal would abhor the use of political violence or or repression, however evil the targets. A variety of left-wing alternatives respond that liberalism ignores power differentials by class, race, or gender. The liberal left believes treating everybody equally when the power is so unequal merely serves to maintain existing structures of power. It follows from their critique that the legitimacy of a a tactic can only be assessed with reference to whether it is being used by the oppressor or the oppressed. Is it okay for, say, a mob of protesters to to shout down a lecture? Liberals would say no. Illiberal leftists would need to know who the speaker was and who the mob was before they could answer. Decolonization is one of those strands of of illiberal leftism. It has a model of the world in which conflicts are analyzed as a struggle pitting settler colonist Europeans who are evil against native indigenous people of color. Like all like other illiberal leftist theories, the decolonization model does not leave room to judge the morality of any methods. Yeah. So I appreciate that from him. He still calls the the rights anti-Semitism, which is real. Mm-hmm. And I do think Trump in some ways gave license to and the, mm-hmm. the Fuentes of the world. And they, the word. As a Nick. Yes. Not as in Daisy. Yeah. No. So looking at your MTV show, sorry. That they, that has been animated during these past six or seven years. He still says that's more dangerous, but I would argue that these guys have far more power in these professorships and in in the administration 
of all these elite institutions. Right. It, it, it's but not, that's a quibble. It's it's the, right. It, it's not a full mugging by reality, but it's a pickpocketing by reality. So that's all. Yes. That's what I'll say. We'll we'll take it. All yeah. right. And then, oh, I have, I have two more things. Do we have time for two more things? We have time. Okay, let's do it. One, this is just a quick clip. Yes. And we're going to intro this segment because it might be a new segment. It's called Why You Gotta Lie. Oh, right. This is so disappointing. Why You Gotta okay. Lie. I know, I know. This, this okay. one's going to go to Leon Panetta, right, but we have yeah. a little intro song for it. Five, six, seven, eight. Why you gotta lie so much? You must wake up and just make up stuff. Because I just do not understand why. Every time you talk, you tell a quick lie. You and your lies gotta go. Because I'm tired of talking to Pinocchio. Okay. That's a, that's a <laughs> Where tic- did you find that? That's a TikTok cheer. Oh, wow. And I love it so much. And it every time I read one of these jerks lying again, that I plays in my head. It plays in my head, and I love it so much. All right. What happened? Why what you happened gotta lie? Leon? Leon Panetta. Here's him being asked by Brett Baer whether he regrets any of the letter he wrote and signed on to, a lot of letter signing on to going on here, that said that Hunter Biden's laptop uh, was possibly Russian disinformation. You're a mess. Uh, obviously, the House is in chaos as they try to find a speaker, but they're investigating still uh, the Hunter Biden situation. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about that letter you signed on to from former intelligence officials saying that uh, the laptop and the emails had all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. Obviously, the New York Post and others saying the Hunter Biden laptop letter was the real disinformation all along. Um, that letter was used in the debate. I haven't asked you this. But do you have regrets about that now looking back, knowing what you know now? Well, you know, Brett, look, I, I was extremely concerned about uh, Russian uh, interference uh, and misinformation. And we all know it. Intelligence agencies discovered that Russia had uh, continued to uh, push uh, disinformation across the board. Uh, and my concern was to kind of alert the public uh, to be aware that these disinformation efforts went on. Uh, And frankly, I haven't seen any evidence from any intelligence agency that that was not the case. You don't think that it it was real? I I think that uh, I think that disinformation uh, is involved here. I think Russian uh, disinformation is part of what we're seeing everywhere. I don't trust the Russians, and that's that's exactly why I was concerned that the public not trust the Russians either. I don't want to dwell on this because we have bigger things to talk about and bigger urgency, uh, but obviously Hunter Biden said it was his laptop, and, and this investigation continues. So you don't have any oh. regrets about doing what you did? No, I don't have any regrets about not trusting the Russians. Okay. Uh, Mr. Secretary, thank you. Uh, we appreciate the time. Good to be with you. I'm not sure we do have bigger things to talk about I, than the I, fact I, that I, he, I think, well, no, he just didn't want to acknowledge the laptop. I want to talk. I'm talking about Russians. I hear you're saying laptop, but I'm going to say Russians. It's unbelievable. There is. There's an actual. This um, is. I just segment. Like, there's I a just, segment. I brought of, up there's his... a segment of people, by the way, Mary Catherine, who do believe that parts of the laptop were tampered with by the Russians. And he's, I think, hinting at that. This is insanity. And I, I brought up his resume just to be sure. Oh, sure, he's stellar. A, he's a pretty important guy. This is former Secretary of Defense, former Director of the CIA, former White House Chief of Staff, Director of the Office of Management and Budget, and a U.S. Representative yeah. from California. Our elites are not okay, y'all. They are not 
okay. Maybe this it's is, an age thing. He's making up stuff. This is just the intelligence agencies mm-hmm. made up stuff to get to this point. Yeah. And now they're making up stuff to justify it, even though Hunter's in court like, oh, yeah, all those naked pictures of me. Can, are, we, can yeah, we not distribute not those? No, they are his. Yeah. He's living in a fantasy world. It's an alternate reality. Mm-hmm. It is not good that the people in charge of everything live in this reality. But it's a very it's a very Washington thing where the only focus is in your mind is do not admit fault. Yeah. Do not say that you are wrong about anything. And I'm just going to focus on the Russian disinformation angle and that's it. But it is funny because do you remember early on with Hunter's laptop and Hunter's lawyers were threatening the computer repairman yes. for giving away the laptop that they wouldn't admit was theirs, yeah. was his. So why does it matter? You know, there's that. These there's people a, should be. I mean, you know, it's like this. You know, uh, all of these signatories. Okay, the the, the sign again. Signers, as you were saying, yes. everyone who signs yes. these things, read what you're signing, and let's just. They knew. I, they and knew. you know they what? Knew. Here's the thing. He doesn't regret it because it got done what he wanted done. Yeah. Which right. was to not give any fuel to right. the Trump campaign. To go after Stifle, Biden, even free though speech. it was true. Yeah. So they got okay. done what they wanted to get done. And just just remember that about the intelligence agencies. It, it reminds me of that scene from Team America World Police. Yeah. Where they're, they're scolding the the computers. Of, Very bad intelligence. Very bad intelligence. <laughs> it's great That's movie. what this is. All right. It's a great movie. Uh, really quickly on the speaker's race. Just, oh, what, my God. Yeah, I forgot I about the look, look at this. At our... In a minute here, really quickly, by the we, time we don't know what's going to happen, but go supposed, ahead. There is supposed to be a vote, I think, on Wednesday. Jim Jordan is in the lead, but he's still shy. Several votes. I'm just saying, if you can take down Kevin McCarthy with six or eight votes, Jim Jordan has his hands full. So quickly, McCarthy is supporting Jim Jordan. We'll play a quick clip yeah. of him. My focus is to get Jim Jordan elected speaker, get this uh, Congress back moving again. Right. It's one thing to get elected. It's another thing to govern. Look, I, I realize how difficult it is. It took me 15 rounds. We were very successful in those times of being speaker. First time a Republican majority has passed a, a border security bill all the way back to Ronald Reagan. Right. We passed a bill to make us energy independent, parents' bill of rights. We cut more than $2 trillion. When the Republicans were in the majority, they actually added a trillion dollars of spending. So, I mean, we've had a lot of successes. We've got to find a way to get back instead of allowing eight people for personal purposes to join Democrats to disrupt America. They look worse every day, in my opinion, every day. Number two is I give you credit because a lot of people would have went back to their town in California and said, hey, everything I did, I'm done. You guys figure it out. But you're still working it out. Congressman uh, and Mr. Speaker, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. And remember, I will never give up. I care too much about this country. We're. We're destined to do this on a loop forever, aren't we? Uh, yes. Uh, it's funny because a lot of the people now on the other side, the Jim Jordan supporters, are very upset at the holdouts. And the holdouts are just, you know, pulling a Matt Gates on Matt Gates. Right. And you're just like, you know, why are you doing this? You know, how are you doing this? These particular tactics. And that reminds me of the old, you know, say no to you know, just say no commercials. I learned it from you, Dad. Yes, you know, exactly. That's, that's exactly. Nice. But okay. the problem is if that ratchet keeps going. Yeah. And the moderates who are, I think. The problem solvers, I think, are, and mm. they're not all moderates. There are some just like moderate in temperament. Yeah. And they don't want to keep having this dysfunction. I think if, I think about it, like if it were me, I think I'm more sort of temperamentally in line with mm. those folks. In order not to have the dysfunction ratchet continue to go mm-hmm. up, I might just vote for Jordan, yeah, even Jim though Jordan, I see issues with, with that. Uh, the, my, and my only condition would be, can we not make it like one person can vote to, uh, to offer up a vacate the speakership? 
Well, we will please. be totally proved wrong by the time this comes out. So okay, that's true. There were some other things we want to talk about. I don't know if you want to hold it for. No, I'm not going to hold it because we get this is important to me. The pre- the parenting study. It's, it's oh, important. Okay, to me. okay, go ahead. You know go why ahead. it's important to me? Why, yes, Vic? because you were on the other side. Because no, because it, con- it confirms all my priors. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, tell everybody what what, what what are you talking about? So let's just note that it confirms my priors before we start. That I am I I might have motivated reasoning in okay, telling okay. you guys that this is all correct. Also, but I do Gen X rules. Is I do think it's important. This. There is a new Journal of Pediatrics piece out entitled "Decline in Independent Activity as a Cause of Decline in Children's Mental Health Well-Being." Summary of the evidence. And I'll read just quickly the thesis: is the primary cause of the rise in mental disorders is a decline over decades in opportunities for children and teens to play, roam, and engage in other activities independent of direct oversight and control by adults. Such independent activities may promote mental well-being through both immediate effects as a source of satisfaction and long-term effects by building mental characteristics that provide a foundation for dealing effectively with the stresses of life. Now, this is not some randomized controlled trial that shows causation here. What it is is that they went through decades of research about what gives children independence, about what gives them emotional satisfaction, about what builds resilience Mm -hmm. and skills for later in life. And often those things were having control over their situations, were having the ability to handle small amounts of risk and small amounts of independence, and learning progressively to become more strong and more independent. And that all those things in many studies show that that's what drives well-being. And then you look at the correlation, which yeah. is that over the same period of time, when mental health for young people has gone precipitously downhill, they have had less and less and less independence, right. non-supervised time together with peers, and actually often one of the things they note in here, more time in school and more time doing homework and more time doing just very structured yeah. things that are always governed by adults. And that that may be a large part of this issue we're seeing with young people now. Does the study mention anything specific, for example, the rise in travel teams, sports teams for younger kids? It didn't get into that, but it talks about how a lot of the presumption these days of what makes good parenting is intense parenting. Yes. That you have to be there for all of these events, that you have to shuttle kids around, that you have to supervise their every moment. I was encouraged because it it encourages my tactic, which is something I tell all new parents, when you got like two toddlers mm-hmm. and you want them to play together, maybe they're three and two, four and two, you got to ignore them. Yeah. You have to ignore them. And I know there's there's all this pressure to sit on the floor and play with your kids. And I like playing with my kids. They're very fun. But that's not always my role. Sometimes my role is to shut them in the living room with their very safe toys and let them yell at each other for a while and then they can play on their own and they learn things. Yes. My, I, I, I remember trying on occasion to, you know, play with my son. It's exhausting because, and, and Kate had done this when he was little and he would just tell her what to do. Now you say this, now you do this. I can't, I'm just exhausted. Whereas my daughter, when she was little, she's in her own world. Right. And I'll see like, I'll, I'll talk to her and I want to, you know, play with her and baby her. She didn't care. She's, she's like, like nah. focused. She's focused on the little people. You know, and I'm like, what's happening? It's just, you know, it, it, that's the time. Let their minds go. And so this is basically sort of a condemnation of the helicopter parents. Yes. And, yeah. and confirmation that I'm that I'm doing yeah. OK. It, yes. it also it noted like, for instance, it talked about how uh, we did. I'm going to I'm going to run Finland by you. Finland, according to some of the studies, 
is one of the most hands-off with how much yeah. freedom kids have. So it says at age seven in Finland, a majority of Finnish children can already travel to places within walking distance or cycle to places alone. This very much reflects our childhood sure. growing up. I'm, I'm younger than you are, but not by a ton. And I regularly at eight, nine went more than a mile from my house. Uh-huh. Kids don't do that anymore. At age eight, a majority can cross main roads, travel home from school and go out after dark alone. By age nine, a majority can cycle on main roads together. And mm-hmm. by age 10, a majority can travel on local buses alone. Yeah, There are no s- similar studies for U.S. children, but in the United Kingdom, it's far less. And right. we are more akin to the United Kingdom in this way. When I, when I was nine years old and my sister was 12, we would spend a couple of weeks in New York City with my aunt. And she lived in the Upper East Side. And she had to go to work at Mount Sinai. Right. And so for during the day, she would just say, roam around between like 96 and 86th Street and Lexington and 3rd. But that's it. That's right. your little area. And so we did. And in New York in the ni- in the early 1980s. Which is like New York now, actually. Which is like New York now. Uh, and I like that mayor that. back then. It was that gotch. <laughs> the only thing, I'll tell you what I remember. Can I tell you really quickly? And then yep. we'll close it up here. You know is, what? We're giving yeah. the people some bonus. This is bonus material they, here. They, we are, we are, we are doing remember, the serious yeah, stuff and then we're doing some fun that's stuff. That's right. When I was nine, we were walking up, you know, the Upper East Side in the 80s. And my aunt pointed out on a side street this restaurant called Elaine's. And she says, oh, that's Elaine's. That's where all the, you know, famous people like Woody Allen goes there. They Ooh. all hang out at Elaine's. Ooh. And you know what I remember thinking even as I thought? I want to be there. That's where I want. I want to be. I want to go somewhere where, you know, like I'm a regular. Yeah. And I thought that at nine. And now you have that place. Mission accomplished. That's so nice that that was your your dream. One yes. more thing. Okay. Yes. Sit One more Catherine, thing. Please. Uh, just just that, was, pat, that's just, all, that was my only goal. Just to pat me on, on the back here. Yes. Young children whose mothers were more autonomy supportive as assessed by observing them as their child worked on problem solving tasks, which means like figure it out yourself. Yes. Scored greater on internal well-being than did children whose mothers were more controlling or provided unsolicited help. And then and again, you're finding you're just you're, you're 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 looking for all these all this vindication for I don't know. One last you go thing. Figure it out. One last thing. Give them chores. That's another part chores of this. is great. That, and they argue that evolutionarily, children of course were often mm-hmm. taken care of by older siblings out exploring with them. That's, That's what I'm doing That's over here. Doing. And that they had to contribute to the households and figure out how to contribute to the community in uh-huh. useful ways. Uh-huh. And those were the traits that were passed down. And so I'm just saying, I'm trying to do all that over Keep here. And going, I'm telling people. you, Keep it going. make your children contributors to the yeah. household. I don't switch the laundry. My kids switch the laundry. I don't make the lunches. My kids make the lunches. Mm-hmm. She's got she's got children churning butter. She's they're doing everything like it's like Laura girls, Ingalls. Girls go out and milk the goats. That's what they're doing. Okay, my Ver- suburban goats. Listener Sophia, I'm sorry. Listener Sophia Hergenrader says, "Quote: Apparently, I've been listening to a lot of getting hammered around the house because today I caught my six year old son James singing your theme song to himself absent mindedly." Thanks for helping me feel like I can listen to the news and be informed without killing anyone. Well, speak for yourself. Y'all are my spirit animals. Oh, it's we love that. It's a catchy tune, isn't it? It's a catchy tune. Did you it discover good... that song? Was it I you? I did. I did. Good I for you. Also, the theme song to Zaxby's Chicken, as another listener pointed out. You know okay. what? That tracks. It does. It does. That sounds like me. And that wraps up this episode of Getting <laughs> Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorino Mattis. I am at MK Hammer on Twitter, at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. You can follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Getting Hammered Podcast, and you should. Thank you for all of your notes. Thank you especially for notes uh, from our listeners in Israel. Um, our prayers are with you guys and continue 
to be. And last, you know, just um, ignore your children and make them do a lot of work and they will be happier. (laughs) This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. (laughs)